You would know the secret of death. But how shall you find it unless you seek it in the heart of life? The owl, whose night-bound eyes are blind unto the day, cannot unveil the mystery of light. If you would indeed behold the spirit of death, open your heart wide unto the body of life. For life and death are one, even as the river and the sea are one. In the depths of your hopes and desires lies your silent knowledge of the beyond. And like seeds dreaming beneath the snow, your heart dreams of spring. Trust the dreams, for in them is hidden the gate to eternity. Your fear of death is but the trembling of the shepherd when he stands before the king whose hand is to be laid upon him in honor. Is the shepherd not joyful beneath his trembling, that he shall wear the mark of the king? Yet is he not more mindful of his trembling? For what is it to die but to stand naked in the wind and melt into the sun? And what is it to cease breathing but to free the breath from its restless tides, that it may rise and expand and seek God unencumbered? Only when you drink from the river of silence shall you indeed sing. And when you have reached the mountaintop, then you shall begin to climb. And when the earth shall claim your limbs, then shall you truly dance. Khalil Gibran Death comes to us all. Whether we are young and strong or old and wizened, there will come a time for us to depart this place and transition to something else. Regardless of whether or not we wish to think about it, it will happen just the same. Because every story that begins must have an ending. But after our story ends, there will always be others left to tell it. For the ones who remain, we leave this love letter, both to console and to teach. As we pay our respects, let me invite you to sit back, pour yourself a drink, and enjoy the show. I'm Rob Celtic, and this is Drinking and Dance at the End of the World. Welcome back to Drinking and Dance at the End of the World. My guest today is someone that most of y'all will recognize, either from direct experience in the dance world and the club life of New York, or from his appearance on the fifth episode of this podcast, Shaping the Future with Archie Burnett. He is the grandfather of the legendary House of Ninja, co-creator and star of such films as Check Your Body at the Door, staple and pillar of the New York Vogue, Whacking, and House scenes, and is a mentor and surrogate father to hundreds of dancers around the globe. 
And it is in that capacity that he is making a return to drinking and dance for a very special episode. It is my honor to welcome back Archie Burnett to our humble show. Archie, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm very, very honored here. That's for sure. The honor is absolutely mine. Um, thank you for uh, for coming in. And um, uh, actually, I mean, this was this was your idea. So um, before we get into that, uh, what are you drinking tonight? I am having a smoothie made with uh, blueberries. Uh, let's see. That's blueberries, pineapple, mango, and my um, powdered protein drink. Nice. Staying fit, staying healthy. Trying to, because, you know, Miss Ronisha is trying to have fat bitchitis on us. And mind <laughs> you, I'm, I'm not fat shaming people. I'm just saying the way it is. Uh, everybody's gained a certain amount of weight because of Miss Ronisha, and that's not cool. So, Well, we've certainly gained the weight of the world on our shoulders if we didn't have it already. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I myself am drinking a brew Dr. Kombucha, specifically the love flavor. Because that's what I had in my fridge. All right. <laughs> so with that said, oh, sorry. I cut you off. What did you say? No, no, no. I was saying nice. Very nice. Yeah, yeah I try. I try. So with that said, um, for those listening at home and for our distinguished guest, we raise our glasses to the sky in a toast. Cheers to your health. Absolutely. Ah. <sighs> So, yes. Um, a few months ago, you were dealing with an extremely painful loss, and when we had dinner during your visit to Boulder, you told me your initial idea for this episode, and that is, you said you wanted to do an episode about death and what to do when someone close to you passes on. Yes. I realize this may be a heavy topic for some, and... Maybe there are listeners out there who don't quite understand what this has to do with dancing. Um, but it has become my understanding during my years in the dance world and my time hosting this show, however, that dance is a reflection of how we live. This show does its best to share with listeners all the myriad little facets that make up dance, from gender and race to sexuality, politics, and philosophy. And of course what life could be complete without death. So in that spirit, before we get started, I was hoping you could talk a little bit about how this idea came to you and why you decided it would be something we should share. Absolutely, Ron. So, you know, I, I'm a strong believer in that when things are put before you, there's less from everything. And, you know, I think back as a younger man, you know, in the dance world and, you know, just going from um, one beautiful situation to another beautiful situation to another beautiful situation, we're really engaged in life and enjoying life as it, as it is. Mm. But, you know, when the fact of sudden loss of someone that's either close to you or an acquaintance that you shared space and time with, most of us are never really prepared or even know what to do. I mean, obviously you say, well, well, how do you prepare for that? Well, quite honestly, as dancers, 
we're always concerned about hitting the next plateau and getting the next gig and getting the um just moving forward we never think about well regardless if i don't have much or if i do have much i didn't leave any instructions because obviously a loved one has to deal with with what's left and the issue that i'm having is that many of us including myself say oh i'll get to that i'll get to that i'll get to that but the truth of the matter is these things are unpredictable mm. there's a saying that we use here of course a lot of you've heard it why put off tomorrow what you can do today um with that i felt that i needed to share and address this particular topic because me as an elder as i see it now this is my love letter to what I love and to the people that I love, which is this whole scene. Mm. That's how the idea came. Yeah. And I mean, we are going to spend the rest of this episode getting into that in detail. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a hard thing to talk about. It's a hard thing to think about. I, spend a good portion of my time personally distracting myself from the idea that eventually um, I too am going to shuffle off the coil and that everyone I love will too. I mean, it's the one thing we share. Um, so I think that that lends itself to the fact that we don't prepare for it. We don't prepare for um, what happens when we lose people. We don't prepare for, you know, how to protect our loved ones when we pass um, because most of the time we don't want to think about it. Mm -hmm. And I've learned um, a, an, an easy way to understand this is about perception. You know, if you, th if you think of it to be a problem, it will be a problem. Mm. If, if you think of it as just another notch that you have to tick off in life, it's easy to get that done when you're healthy and you're 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 normalized and everything is good you know so i want to approach this at least this is my intent for those who are listening this is really out of love it's not to put fear in anyone it's not to um to to make anyone anyone feel that oh my goodness the moment i i i address these situations i'm going to leave tomorrow that's not the case um and it's funny that I say that because that is the thinking of quite a few people. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, to let my nerd flag fly for just a second. Yes. Um, to quote J.K. Rowling, who unfortunately is a very problematic human being and um, has some very, very harmful ideas about people and gender. Um, she wrote that uh, one line from... Uh, uh, Professor Dumbledore at the end of the first Harry Potter book saying um, to the well-prepared mind, death is but the next great adventure. And beautiful. I think, yeah, it, it was beautiful. I think that's one of the best ways of looking at death I've ever heard. And I, I try, <laughs> I aspire to have that mind frame most of the time. doesn't always work. Well, you know, that, I mean, this is what, um, this is literally what living is about 
Living is mm. about enjoying. Living is about, at least I, I believe, about contributing to your time here. Living is about spreading as much joy as you can. And when that time comes, I personally should feel satisfied that I've done my part to make a better world. Mm. You know? Um, yeah. What a person believes in, if it's Buddha, if it's God, if it's if it's Scientology, human nature is always looking for a better place because as we take it as an understood given that there is something better. Now you'll have people who say, well, there no, there isn't. You die when you die. And you know what? That's very good for them too. Whatever yeah. gets you through the night. And I think that's the important part. Whatever gets you through the night. I mean, your belief system and your honor system is about the the strongest thing that you can have. Mm. So this little talk that I want to give tonight or today, depending on where you are, is about how we address these things and um, um, in, in the approach. Because um, I'll use myself as... as as an example, I've had horror stories mm -hmm. where I was not prepared and certain things were not in place and how the system, now understand what I'm telling you people out there, the system in America makes you jump through hoops in order for you to get what you get have to get done. And on top of that, if that system is already broken and not functioning, that's an issue. <sighs> yep. And we will be getting into the nuts and bolts uh, of that shortly. Um, but to start off, yes, those who primarily listen into the show are um, either members of the vintage or, and or modern street dance communities or are tangentially connected to people who are. Um, and in terms of the relevance of this episode, um, I mean, we can just think about all of the legends and the people that have been very dear to this, the, our shared communities who have passed, um, you know, within the last decade or so. Um, so, you know, uh, Frankie Manning, Don Hampton, yes. Norma Miller on the, uh, on the jazz side. Um, for modern uh, street dancers, there's Marjorie Smart, there's Voodoo Ray, Willie Ninja, Tyrone Proctor, and most recently Shabadoo. Yes. Um, so as an elder, I guess my first question is how do we pay respect to these legends in a way that honors their legacy without cheapening uh, the effect or capitalizing off of loss? Because there are definitely people out there who I get, you know, could be professional mourners. Okay. Um, you know, that's, that's it. Okay. It goes with this territory that there are, there are always going to be people who are going to have another agenda mm. um, that does not fall in line with, with those who've, who've uh, loved the, the past person or has been inspired by them or touched by them or had their lives um, enhanced by them. Yeah, um, I I think objectively, the best thing to do in honoring 
how that person lived and what that person contributed. For instance, um, you know, my brother-in-law, Tyrone, he went all around the world. He was a character. He lived his life exactly the way that he wanted to. Mm. Um, and that being said, he left a little piece of himself everywhere that he went and whoever encountered him. The same with Shabadoo, the same with um, um, Don Campbell, the same with all of these other people who have passed away. Um, that spirit and that special essence that they've shared and given, that's the thing that should be built on. What you'll, what you'll tend to have is maybe um, some people try to bastardize it. But you see, this is where I always say, you know, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Because <laughs> sooner or later, the real cat is going to walk in the room and check you. Mm. Oh, I'm, I'm a big one on respect. Respect goes both ways. For younger to older, for older to younger. We have a better world if we respect each other and everybody's comfortable in their own skin and the like. Um, there will be situations, and I'll say this, in Willie Ninja's case, um, as soon as he passed, all these different fundraisers were being made for Willie Ninja, mm. but, and the funds were supposed to go to his mother, but these people don't know his mother. So me, as his friend, had to run around to each event and step to them about, listen, guy, you don't know Willie's mother. Do not use his name for your profit. Now, not many people will do that. I did that because I love him. He's my brother. You know, that's the mother of the House of Ninja. But that's the, in that particular case, I had to do that. And they had no choice but to come correct. Or else I mean, they would have acted up. I mean, I can't imagine the, the rage uh, that... I assume you would have been feeling in that moment having just lost your friend. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I couldn't, honestly, I had to, I had to really sit back and objectively look at what was happening because I couldn't believe that somebody would just, why would somebody do that? And, and the answer was very clear, you know, opportunists take, take advantage of, it was very clear, but even still, I still questioned what I was actually seeing and going through. Mm. My, my suggestion is to honor somebody's legacy, you hold yourself true to what that person's given you and what they stood for. So it's okay to check somebody if they're saying something that's incorrect. Mm. It's okay to let people know that this man's legacy or this woman's legacy was very clear. It was very, it had no room for that. Now, yes, we are humans and humans are complicated people and we do have our bad side and we have our good side. All of that makes us who we are. It is up to you to take what enhances your existence and what enhances 
what you want to pass on to the next generation. I personally, mm. up until that's until my brother-in-law passing, I didn't have a will. And I said, Archie, you know, these things have been happening to you over and over and over again. In life, when life leaves you messages, it is up to us to figure out what's the lesson to be learned in the message. And it's just a simple message of taking care of your business. Now, mind you, you may not have much, you know, um, um, having leaving instructions for what you would like upon that time is a lot easier than you think. Some people feel, oh, my God, it's all this, you know, it, it's too involved and all of this. Quite simply, it's not as involved as you think. Depending on where you live, what state you live in, there's certain guidelines for a legitimate will. And a will mm -hmm. is just a simple thing that states what your wishes would be. Um, many people use lawyers because uh, what lawyers do, they make sure that everything is covered so that there aren't any loopholes where I've seen horror stories where a will is done and the next minute somebody else comes in and says, oh, but, you know, I'm the third cousin of so-and-so, such-and-such. I'm entitled to that. And next minute. They're contesting a will. And here's something that I found out. Anyone can contest a will that has something to gain if there were no will from the deceased. So mm. even, if, even if you have a will and you wrote the will and the will's really clear, somebody can contest that will. Now, lately there have been people putting in their wills language as to not have a will contested. So that's um, another thing that's been happening as of late. Hmm. But it, it's really necessary that all of us, young, dancers, older, address this in a very healthy fashion. You know, because, you know, we just lost a beautiful sister, Egla, from London. You know, it was devastating for all of us. You know, she was a young woman, barely in her 30s. Mm. You know, same situation. But one thing I must admit, it happened for Tyrone. It happened for Egla. I'm very proud, very, very proud that the dance community um, came through with their GoFundMe for mm -hmm. these two individuals. Now, I, I want to really stress that the GoFundMe was amazing for these individuals. But we should never assume that, oh, I don't have to worry about that because, you know, you know, when that time comes, my friend will just run a GoFundMe and, you know, I'm good to go. That's, that's not a very realistic approach. So what I'd like everyone to think about is just something very simple. You know, if you wish to choose to use a lawyer, um, those of you that are uh, gigging and, 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 you know, making your income through performing and so on, you set a little bit aside 
to handle that business. Just like how was you with you would set aside anything else. And I mean, you have had to deal with situations like this. I mean, you've had more than your fair share of having to manage um, uh, situations for friends that have passed or yep. family that have passed. Um, from what you've told me, you've you've got, like you said, just quite a few horror stories about the topic. And we're going to, I mean, one of the big reasons we're doing this is so that we can list the resources that these, uh, that, that everyone should have access to. Uh, so that they can protect themselves and their loved ones from yes. from these same horror stories happening to them. And I think we'll get into that in the second half uh, okay. of the episode. But before we do that, um, because you've had to deal with this so often, yes. um, because as the older we go, it's just, you know, we're, we're just going to lose more people. It reminds me of... Um, someone I used to know, actually, she, her mother passed, uh, when she was 19 years old. And at that point it was just her and her younger sister. Um, and she was left to like deal with all of these, this horrible grief as well as like, you know, all these practical demands and all this stuff. And, you know, what 19 year old kid is ready for that. And she, she said something to the effect of like, it makes you, uh, an, a member of an exclusive club you never wanted to join. Yes, absolutely. And, and um, because you, you have, you know, become a member of this club many times yourself, mm-hmm. when the unthinkable happens, how do we go about managing our grief? Wow. This, you know, it's going to be different for everyone. Um, I, I do know this. Um, however you manage your grief, you must do it in a very healthy way. Um, which means you'll hear people say, well, Archie, you know, take the time that it takes for you to get back into the swing of things. There are certain situations where, well, because of COVID, every, everybody's like uh, working at home, but well, most people are working at home mm-hmm. who are fortunate. But um, if you had a job that didn't allow, because most jobs only allow three days, grief days, and then you come back to work. You and I know, and everybody out there listening know, that grief, it takes whatever time that it takes for you to work through that process. Mm. Um, there are counselors that people can go to for that. Um, but most of us tend to not seek that route. Um, but what's very important is to speak about your grief because holding your grief, I find only adds a, a damaging element to your vessel mm. only because, you know, um, we as artists, we're emotional beings and we're connected to our art and um, not necessarily, let's say we wear emotions on our sleeve, but that's a source that we tap into um, quite frequently. When, when grief occurs, it directly taps into, well, that is a source. Now, 
I chose to do it through dance. Mm. Um, the thing that I said in Check Your Body at the Door was that, you know, um, I don't think, no, not Check Your Body at the Door. I think it was in um, uh, You Better Work, uh, the book by Kai Finkature or Love Saves the Day by, um, by Lawrence. Um, uh, oh my goodness, I just forgot his last name. Um, oh, Tim Lawrence, I'm sorry, by Tim Lawrence. Mm -hmm. um, that um, I, wow, would you believe? I just had three ideas in my head and I just lost the train of thought of this one that I was going to speak about. It happens to me all the time. That's crazy. Especially That's when so I'm recording. It's <laughs> so crazy. But um, I'm pretty sure it, it was about, you know what? I can't think of it right now. Because I have three ideas in my head at the same time. But the bottom line is, the bottom line is handling your grief. Um, ah, now I remember it came back. Um, music is the one thing that will never leave me. Mm. It's there through everything. It's the reason why I move. It's the reason why I have this amazing external family that actually means more to me than my own blood family. That, that's another story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One that many of our listeners can relate to. Oh, yeah. So um, knowing that that's the thing that is my go-to, actually, music saved my life. Without music, mm. I never would have I, I never would have been who I am. I never would have been able to be comfortable in my own skin. Um, that journey is amazing. So I, that's what I ran to. Um, and it's, it's funny too, when you talk about bereavements, like we had uh, an episode a few, a few weeks ago with Dr. Damon Silas, who's a dancer as well as a psychologist. And he was talking about like how in America in particular, like we don't really have like a, a system for, you know real bereavement leave you know it's it's a few days at best and then you're expected to come back and you know keep putting out uh everything that you were before and be a useful cog in the machine mm -hmm. and i think at least as americans i can't speak to um anyone else listening in from all the other countries that are listening mm -hmm. right now uh i can't speak to your situation but at least for americans i think we've gotten into that system of like okay you know we get maybe a week to like deal with this. And then we got to, we feel this pressure that like, okay, maybe after a week or two, people are going to start getting bored with the fact that I'm like, you know, destroyed internally. So I have to like put on this face for them. And I have to like, mm. you know, because after a while, nobody's going to want to listen to me cry about, you know, losing my friend or my lover or my mother or, or any yeah. of this, yeah. you know? And I, I think, yeah, we have this internalized like schedule of like, okay, been a month it's been two months i should be over this by now absolutely and that's not the case yeah. what i used to work for i used to work for new york city transit they give you three days that's it three three days now mm -hmm. that means whatever your process is you have to be able to maintain and still deal with the grief 
So we we also have this saying in America that, well, yeah, life is cruel. Well, you know, here's here's the thing. Compassion goes a long way. Um, not everyone is compassionate. So you surround yourself with the tribe that supports you. So for instance, you know the job is an entity, you know the job that you, now we're speaking like if you're doing a nine to five also or whatever, whatever job mm. that you're using to support your art or if your art is your job. You know, if, if the job really doesn't care about time, about your personal situation, we just know I need this body to be here at such and such a time. Here's where the amazing art of, car- of compartmentalization comes into play. And that takes practice. You know, you know that your world is being crushed, mm. but the rest of the world is still going on. Mm. So to some degree, we all learn how to partially function by just acknowledging certain realities. For instance, okay, this job doesn't really care about me. They say they do, but they really don't. So Mm. I have one or two choices. I can either acknowledge that and just deal with it very coldly. Mm -hmm. Or what tends to happen with a lot of people, I'm guilty of this too sometimes. (laughs) I shouldn't have said it, but you know, Sometimes I go, oh, you're going to treat me like that? Okay. I'm going to hit you where it hurts. Now, yes, tit for tat is not exactly the right thing to do. But obviously, I'm going to tell you the real deal. I'm not going to lie to you. Because humans, we have the tendency to do that also. Mm -hmm. Well, if you don't respect me, why should I give all of my energy to still make you come out on top. So this is where the compartmentalizing comes into play. If you can approach something almost to the point of apathy and it being a fact, it it protects your inner child. In the podcast I did before, I think I mentioned you have to protect your inner child every day. Well, that mm. that has a lot to do in this situation. If your inner child is hurting, you have to protect that inner child. That means feed it whatever it needs to feed in order for it to be healthy. That means if people want to be negative around you, you've got to block that out. You can't be around person, places, and things that feed that, that negative energy to you. Now, some people may not have that choice. And you have to be around these people. That's where you have to learn how to focus. Unfortunately, doing being involved in this quote-unquote club that nobody really wants to be in, mm. you learn a few things. Um, and that happens over time. Um, perception uh, is everything. How you perceive something is where you get your power back. That's what I can, I can say that like my name is Archie Burnett. How you perceive something is exactly how you get your power back. Does that make sense? 
I mean, I understand what those words mean in order, but I'd really like to hear more about the context of, of why you say it. Okay. For instance, when my mother passed, I was on a plane coming back from um, Lorach, her parents' mm. camp. You know, she was in the nursing home and she, was, she, was, she passed at 98. So, you know, kudos on my mom for even living that long. But her last few years were pretty much, you know, in a bed. Um, up till that point, it had been about nine years that she was having these problems. And it occurred to me that when something like that happens to you for a long period of time, you're actually saying goodbye mm -hmm. during each stage of those nine years. So that when that time came, I'll tell you personally, I didn't even know what to feel because I thought, well, I'm not acting really out of my mind because, you know, I, is this how I'm supposed to act? It was a really weird and strange feeling. But once I mm -hmm. realized that, oh, I get it, you know, the perception kicked in of, well, you know, your mom had a great life. She accomplished a lot here. Um she ended up going peacefully. Of course, I would have loved to have had her here forever. But when that actually happened, I had to compartmentalize and realize that, you know what? I was the best son I could be for her. Hmm. Took care of her till she passed on. That's the least that we can do for somebody who's given us life. So I thought, all right, I get that. Once, once it became a a logical understanding. There's a weird thing that I say, once you take the emotion out of anything, you can see exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. Now, everybody can do that. Um, they don't necessarily like what they see, but everybody can realize that for what that is. The very same way we're speaking about this particular subject. It would be very difficult to speak about this particular subject um, too emotionally um, engaged because this is something that we don't want to see or we don't want to hear. But the fact of the matter is, is that perception is everything. People who look to higher powers that give them a particular perception mm. deal with these certain things. People who look for the, the idea of logic, it gives them a particular perception. We all have these tools, whichever, whichever path we choose. Um, but the key thing is, um, in order to continue, you have to come to a realization and whether that means compartmentalizing or acceptance. Those are the only two options you have. Yeah, and it's not, I mean, there's so many different circumstances at play. Like there's your mother who took nine years gradually saying goodbye and, and yes. uh, passing in that way. And then there's people whose, you know, moms die of uh, embolism, like, you know, out, out of nowhere. Or, you know, yeah. my friends in Chicago, everyone knows somebody who was like, you know, uh, 
taken uh, in an instance when they had a whole life in front of them. And those type of deaths, it's an entirely different, quite different, quite way of way of trying to process it. But like you say, I mean, it, it, I think closure is something that we need to find for ourselves. Absolutely. Um, And I mean, I had like one of my best friends died when we were 21 and he died of a very, very rare form of cancer uh, that only typically old people get. Ah. Um, But he would have given anything to see 22. And and this was like this just earth shattering thing for me. And, you know, I remember how I chose to deal with it was that I made a decision and I made a promise when he passed that I was going to live enough life for the both of us. So that when I saw him, yes. like it, it would be as if, the, you know, well, thank you. <laughs> um, it, that, that promise created a lot of difficulty for me uh, in my life, but I think I wouldn't have done it anything any differently. But um, I think one, one little insidious thing with, with his case in particular, with Chris's passing mm-hmm. was um, I started to feel guilty after the second or third year of mourning um, because I knew him as a person and I knew that he wouldn't have wanted me to, to suffer on his behalf. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, it's not like I, it was still something that I needed to do. So in in some respects I was like, you know, crying at his memory, but also was like, you know, fuck you, man, I'll I'll get over this when I need to, you know? (laughs) Well, you were on once again, it goes back to exactly what I said. You honor mm. the way the man lived. You honored the way the man lived. I mean, he meant that much to you. When people deal with grief, they're dealing with people who've meant something to them. Because obviously, if somebody didn't mean mm. anything to you, you wouldn't even think about it. You just keep it moving. Yeah. You know? But you honored the way this particular man affected your life. And with that, you had to come to some sort of negotiation, let's say, about, yeah. okay, well, you know, I think I fulfilled my duty. That, ah, that word, when Willie passed, after the whole funeral and everything, I said to myself, you know what? I fulfilled my duty. Because for me, it was an honor to do that for him, you know? And again, Mm. that was perception. But all these little steps lead you to certain things. It's a privilege when you usher someone out. That's a privilege, you know? And Mm. once again, that's perception. My perception is saying to me, that's a privilege. No matter how painful it is, Mm. emotionally painful, that's a privilege. To usher your mom out, that's a privilege. You know, to usher your aunts out, that's a privilege. If they mm. if they come to you for you to handle this, that's a privilege. Now, I had a a, a little levity, a, a little joke that I was saying, well, well, damn, I became a pro. Why did I need to become a pro? To be a pro in this? <laughs> you know? What a horrible thing to be good at. <laughs> that, that's horrible. That's <laughs> horrible. You know? Yeah. But I had to laugh because this is life. I'm sorry, cut off. You That's said this life's is life's what? Twisted little joke, you know? But again, mm-hmm. I found what helped me, and I'm hoping that can help others, is that 
the whole notion of the very same word that I've been saying over and over, perception. In its simplest form, if you perceive something to be a problem, it will be a problem. If you perceive something in a simpler solution as just a step, it's easier to address that. And that's good. And I think that's the name of the game is just finding what works, finding what you need to be okay to make it through. And when I bring up that whole idea of like, you know, oh, Chris wouldn't want me to, you know, still be suffering on his behalf or this or that. Well, that may be Mm -hmm. true, but at the same time, that changes nothing. This is still something I need to go through and it doesn't matter how long he's been gone and it doesn't matter, you know, the fact that there is still a hole where his presence used to be. Absolutely. That's a very tangible thing. A a young lady that I grew up with that's like my sister and her mom, you know, know, I'm Mm -hmm. in love with all my friends' moms and her mom, you know, passed on. Let's let's put it this way. Her Mm -hmm. mother was so important to me. She was the first person that I told when I lost my virginity. Because I didn't tell my mom. I told her. I entered the house. I got laid. I got laid. She looked at me. And she, looked, she just looked at me and said, oh, well, honey, that's nice. You know? <laughs> you know, so this woman, can, you know, was like the, the ear that you needed to speak to that, you know. So when she passed, yeah, it hurt like hell. But I realized that, you know, her, her, her daughters, which are like my sisters, one of them she hasn't gotten over it. And for her, she made it a very clear um, mission in her head that she will not get over it. So her process mm. is the fact that when her time comes, she wants to go right by her mom. And she's holding up her life mm. for that moment. Now, others may say, well, damn, you know, that's not a, you know, that's no way to live and so on. You have to understand, once a person sets a particular type of value to how they feel they should continue. That is their choice. Mm. If the world moves around them and they want to stay still, as much as we want to push them out of that, obviously it's our duty to try, but sometimes with trying, Mm. you get more resistance. So that kind of thing, you know, each case is different, of course. You'd have to play that by ear. But um, this young lady chose to compartmentalize and say, okay, you know, she was my best friend. There's nobody else like her. That's it. I will continue my day-to-day, so-and-so. System. Not really get too close to anybody, blah, blah, because that was my best friend, blah, blah, blah. Okay. She functions. Mm-hmm. But that that small emotional part that's a lot that that can that um is her main um her main makeup of her identity that i think she feels now that's just hypothetical for me i think she feels that if she gives that up somehow she's doing a dishonor and losing someone forever we 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 tend to have these mm. these these conflicting emotions between you know um between facts you know reality and fantasy you know 
Um, and I think life is really yeah. like yeah. a combination of the three, really. As a story, yeah, as a storyteller, I would have to agree. You know, we didn't have fantasy. We wouldn't be creative, you know, if we didn't, if we didn't have fact, you mm. know, we wouldn't be progressive, you know, you know? Mm. and reality is, is what you see before you. That's what it is. So a combination of those three, I think, is, is, mm. is basically life's, um, life's game. And I think with this particular subject, how we handle those three is what we're trying to address. Absolutely. And in that, uh, in that respect, we're going to take a very short break uh, to allow Archie and, and myself to stretch our legs, do etc. But when we come back, we are going to be talking about the particulars, the nuts and bolts of what to do um, when somebody that you know, somebody you love, maybe somebody who has entrusted you to help, um, what to do when they pass and how to protect yourself, how to uh, protect their legacy and, you know, just how to get through something that no one should have to deal with, but yeah. everyone eventually will. So uh, my guest tonight is the legendary Archie Burnett and I am Rob Celtic and we are taking a break. See you in a sec. And we are back. My guest tonight is uh, Archie Burnett, legendary grandfather of the House of Ninja um, and uh, respected elder of our scene. Um, and our subject today, as you well know, is uh, death and uh, what to do when someone you love uh, has passed. So we have covered um, the very broad uh, topic of grief. Um, and this is something that takes a long time to, to work through. Um, and at the same time, unfortunately, we do not usually uh, have enough time to do it uh, properly because once somebody has died, there are a billion things that happen that you are not expecting that usually you're not prepared for. So my question, Archie, is mm -hmm. what are the practical details of what we should do when someone dies? Okay. Well, firstly, what would help is assuming that you're not by yourself, assuming you're not by yourself is always good to have two people. Um, the reason being is that, um, Grief has a way of blinding your logical mind. Mm. Um, there's things that you may miss. Um, but if you have a simple checklist, you know, it, it, will, it will help you. For instance, obviously, when somebody passes, um, before we get to the, the funeral part, um, or, or the interment in, in, in that area, mm -hmm. um, you have to speak about affairs. Affairs are simple things like living wills. A living will is a lot easier than you may think. Depending on what state you live in, there's certain criteria for a living will. There are resources, free resources, that are online 
to make a will. Um, actually, when I was looking up to see uh, some of these sources, there's one that's called formswift.com. There's another one on yeah, uh, formswift.com, another one legalcontracts.com, another one um, lawdepot.com. There are many of these um, online forms that you can fill out whatever wishes you want, whether you have any assets, whether you have any particular things that you want to leave to someone else, even your particular wishes. There's also um, two things which um, are very important. A power of attorney and a uh, DNR. Now, a power of attorney is in case anything happens to you that you're not able to make your own decisions that is designated to someone that you assign as a friend or someone that you know that will has your best interests in, at heart. The power of attorney is only good for when the person is alive. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a very, it sounds obvious, but believe me, there are horror stories with that. <laughs> a power of attorney is only good for when a person's alive. So if for some strange reason you needed to handle somebody's affairs and they had a bank account, but the power of attorney you had, but they pass on and the bank account you were going to utilize to pay for the funeral, if for some strange reason they that will was contested by another member, you would not be able to get those funds in order to bury a loved one. Mm-hmm. It can get really complicated and really, really crazy. Um, so it's best that you have a power attorney someone you trust that will help you in the event that you can't either do your finances or um, anything of that, that, that sort. Mm. Um, now, the third thing is a healthcare proxy. Uh, sorry, Archie, before we move on to healthcare proxy, you said the second thing was a DNR. So for those who don't oh, know, no. that is a uh, do not resuscitate order. A do not resuscitate order. That do not resuscitate order is in the event that you say that you want to, um, if if I should leave, don't resuscitate me, let me just go. Mm. Or try to resuscitate me as much as you can until there's no, no, um, no other choice. Mm. Um, so that's the DNR. Sorry, I jumped ahead. <laughs> no, of course. And uh, also, um, don't for those listening, don't worry about like uh, taking notes when it comes to resources. Any resource that Archie mentions, I will include in the show notes so you will have that in print for you. Yes. So, sorry, Archie, you were saying proxy. The next one is the healthcare proxy. Now, the healthcare proxy is different than a power of attorney. The healthcare specifically deals with the health and welfare in making decisions for the person who 
um, gave them the healthcare proxy for um, that that responsibility. In in my particular case, you know, Willie gave me his assignee, his healthcare proxy, and I must honestly tell you, I was shocked. I I, I was like, wow, you know, you know, when you love someone and you grow up with someone and and they're and your family, yeah. You never really know how much they mean to you if they trust their life in your hand. Mm. So automatically, that was a big, that that was like a, almost an overwhelming feeling. But I had to feel that, okay, he did this for a reason. He did this for a reason because he trusts me. And he also did this because he knew that I would handle the responsibility of what needed to be done mm. if that should happen. So once I understood that almost immediately, because at first I thought me, me, why not? Why not any of your blood relatives? Why? <laughs> you yeah. know, but this goes to something that I said a long time before that just because somebody's re- related to you by blood doesn't necessarily make them the best person for you. Or the best person that has your interest at heart. Again, something most of our listeners can attest to or identify with. Exactly. Sometimes, and most of the time, people who are not blood related to you are more family than your own blood relatives. I have a saying, if if your family treats you like shit and your friends don't treat you like shit, well, why would you, you, if you don't tolerate that from your friends, why would you tolerate that from your family? Hmm. This is where the compartmentalizing and the logic comes in. But we always feel that we have to have a certain like leash that allows, oh, well, they're family. They can shit on me, you know, because, you know, blood is supposed to allow that. No, people. That's abuse. So with that being said, is that when he assigned this to me, I took it as a very, I firstly, I took it as an honor. And I took it that I was going to do the best that I can to make sure that he got everything that he needed. So, so, so sorry to interrupt. Uh, The power of attorney applies to financial affairs and affairs that do not have to deal with medical care and the healthcare proxy is medical care. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. You know, um, I, I don't know if this is actually true, but I think, think some some lawyers mix the two together i don't think I, I i might be wrong on that but i definitely know that in my particular case those are very separate because you don't want to get that all mixed up in 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 oh but i did this no 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 there's <laughs> yeah. a financial affairs medical affairs and medical affairs so got it if that's straight it's fine another thing that was passed on to me is as you get older, um, now for dancers who have parents and who have pretty good relationships with their parents, it's recommended that if your parents have any assets, they put those assets in your name a minimum of five years before there's any issue. So that means Mm. when your parents are nice, happy, and healthy, and you know, you're you're trudging along life and having a great old time out of an act of love, they should transfer their assets to you. Cause if you're ever in a situation, I'm like, I don't know anyone here, 
who's got crazy money like that, the nursing home alone that my mom was in was over $3,000 a month. Oh my God. So what I had to do is my mother didn't have any assets. Once you don't have Mm -hmm. assets, the state pays for that. But here's the thing that you have to, that you as the loved one must do. Whatever facility you choose to put your loved one in, you have to show up as much as you can. Because honestly, if you do not do so, they're just another number. These are people who, Mm. they they do their hard time. The work is in there. They work really difficult, but it's emotional. It's very emotional. And, And some of the workers, you know, it sometimes it can be too much for them. You have to show up every day to know that your loved one is being taken care of. Or as much as you can. Mm. So that's just a side note. Um, but you make sure that those parts of your life are protected with your parents. That's a conversation that you have with them. Um, so what, what, what is to be gained from your parents assigning their assets to you? That the house that my mom worked so hard for that she came from the West Indies here and bought, she worked mm. so hard for, would not be taken as mm. would not be taken by the state in order to pay for her her um, her care. I see. So if she hasn't, if, if a loved one has not assigned their assets to their children or, or someone else that they can trust, um, mm-hmm. and they can't pay for that care, so the state comes in to pay for it, mm-hmm. um, if those assets are already claimed, yes, if those assets are already claimed by the children, the state can't take those as recompense. Yes, the, uh, a family member has to live in the house. In okay. That not to, not to go down. You know, but to be okay. safe, but upon the sale of the house, that money goes whoop right to the state. Mm. So there's there's a thing that my mom believed um, in the in the um, the West Indian doctrine in her Bible. She says that you are supposed to leave a bounty for your children. My mom came here with nothing. Her and my dad came here with nothing. Mm. You know, they bought this little house. They 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 slaved. They did. My mother sold all night. My father worked two jobs, you know, to put mm-hmm. in the house a roof over his two kids. It would be an honor. Uh, excuse me. Let me back that up. It would be a dishonor and a disservice if I, her son, mm. allowed another entity who does not know or even care about my mother's struggle to come in Mm. and just rip everything from her. Whether whether she had dementia or not, whether she was full, fully capacitated, that's Mm -hmm. devastating. Do you know how many people in America this happens to? It happens... I honestly cannot say that I do. Amazingly way too often. Mm. and you know my family we didn't grow up with a lot of money at all at all I tend to not say poor because I've seen poor at least Mm -hmm. over my head you know but 
What we were is what's called land poor. You have enough to buy the house, but you don't have enough to really maintain it well. Mm. That's what's that's what land poor is. You got enough on the, to you got enough to buy the land, but you don't have enough to build a house. You know. Yeah. So, so with that, it was a struggle. You know, it was an everyday struggle. And being in one city, aka New York, that's my God, the highest from the high. You know, in everything here, it's um, you know, it's a struggle. So yeah. So once you have that in place, um, you can use the laws that are there in order for you to protect what your parents' bounty, what they want to leave for you. Okay, so okay. that's that part. Now, pertaining to arrangements and so on, if you're by yourself, it's, it's a good idea that when you shop for funeral homes, um, you immediately ask what the bottom line is. Hmm. Because obviously it's a business. And because it's a business, they'll, they'll push this, maybe push that, maybe push this, maybe push that. You have to understand that you are the most important person in that whole equation. You. And how you want your loved one to be represented. And you do not go out of your means. Oh, but it's so-and-so and such-and-such. Such. Really? Okay. It's very difficult when emotions are flaring in order to make a decision that's very concrete and sound. Mm-hmm. That's assuming you're by yourself. If you're, if you're with two people, then, then you guys have each other's back with that. So, mm-hmm. Well, let me get back to you. Let me get back with you and so on. Um, depending on what the situation is, um, uh, once the deceased is picked up, you can decide what you want to do. Now, years ago, I'll tell, okay, because of COVID, this is what's happening. In order for somebody now to be cremated in COVID, in COVID time, mm-hmm. there is a two-week minimum wait. Can you believe that? Oof. A two-week minimum. Do you know how much stress on a loved one that will give? Because of COVID. So I really um, empathize with people who've lost someone during this time. Um, <laughs> trust me, it was not easy with my brother-in-law. Mm-hmm. This particular situation is kind of unique um, where, it, where it adds another level of stress on top of um, the situation that we're in. Mm-hmm. But, the best way to do it, like some people say, just you just have to breathe. You just have to breathe, take a breath, you know, and say, okay, just handle what's before you without the extemporaneous, um, the extemporaneous stuff. Yeah. So with that being said, have two people with you if you can. You must remember you are the most important person in that equation. And it's your decision only. They can suggest whatever they want. It's your decision only. 
and do not go outside of your means. Because I know as an old school person, my mom had been schooling me since, since <laughs> my mom was kind of like that. She was schooling me since I was 12. <laughs> about, Achi, I don't want nobody looking at me, buddy. We don't want anybody coming to me. We just straight to the burial ground. And I was like, wow. And I thought she was crazy. I, I was like, dad, well, damn, mom. Really? But now I understood it. She had her own way of saying what needed to be done, but I totally understand it now when it happened. But you know what? Maybe that was her way. Me and my brother, since we were 12 years old, grooming us that way for that time we cut yeah 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 right yeah 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 because we don't think about it but as grown men if i but i'm pretty sure she was preparing us if something had happened in between that time my my father said um i i mean i didn't get the exact speech that you got my father said something more like um once i'm gone uh the body is you know that's not me so just dig a pit in the backyard and kick me in and that's that's it <laughs> he had a sense of humor <laughs> yeah yeah i mean that's one of the virtues you know <laughs> I, you know i'll tell you this on on a little levity note my mother as i told you has been schooling us since we were 12 so when mm-hmm. i'm sick and tired of hearing it look i even still have it till today what she wrote down what to do she's mm-hmm. Don't waste an extra penny. Don't waste an extra penny. Straight to the burial ground. So I said, Ma, I'll wrap you in a paper bag and bury you if that's what you want. And she, just, <laughs> and she looked at me like, well, uh, uh, wait, 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 wait. You don't have to do that. <laughs> you know, and I had to bust out laughing because I said, I get it, you know. But I didn't realize that she didn't know at the time, but she was trying to desensitize me from i see this now you know whether that was conscious effort on her part or Mm -hmm. because knowing my mom it was like just not just a matter of fact thing to do just a matter of fact the body's a shell once it's a shell that's it she would say that all the time so yeah i thought okay well yeah 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 but but now i see the method to the madness even though it might not have been a conscious thing the way that i'm trying to interpret it that's how you desensitize your children so that they're not so shocked upon when this actually happens. And also, I mean, you do raise a good point when it comes to funeral homes and those services. This is an industry, just like how, you know, I mean, in wedding rings, engagement rings were not a thing like a few hundred years ago. Mm-mm. You know, not to the sense that we know there was the De Beers Diamond Company that like turned it into a huge thing. And now it's, you know, a multi-million dollar industry. So and, and the wedding industry, sure. you know, and it's you take all these um, things that are essential to life, you know, like birth and, and um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, death and everything in between. And you, you have industries around them Absolutely. that that are there to upsell you. Absolutely. So when when Archie is saying like, you know, you are the person that matters. It's your decision. Do not let these people upsell you for the sake of like, you know, burying your loved one in a fancier tin can, you know, like it's, I mean, 
everyone's belief about death and and respecting the dead is different and i'm not i don't mean to patronize and i definitely don't mean to um insult anyone who has like gone all out for a funeral but at the end of the day like it is about honoring like your loved one's memory how they would how they would prefer it and for most of us most of our loved ones don't want our you know don't want us to like you know uh go into poverty for the sake of a funeral that they're not even going to attend absolutely and and you know recently we had a member of our community that that you know if if because of covid wasn't able to to make payments on his life insurance and they would put him in Potter's field so wow so we had to do uh, there was a gofundme just to get enough so that that would not happen you know so these are real issues that are here because somebody someone has to be left handling your affairs that's why it's very important that we speak about this now um in order to have some sort of protocol and approach as dancers we're always worried about the next gig we're running here we're running there we're running there we don't think about these things so this takes us to the funeral um and I don't know if you, I forget if you've mentioned this, like, did you look into anything regarding like life insurance or ah, what yeah. we should be looking into to help pay for a funeral? Yes. Now, my belief was this, my mother's life insurance, I'll spend every damn dime on her funeral because that's her funeral. Mm. Unless she told me otherwise, which she did, Achi, get the cheapest thing out there. And okay, 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 ma. But Funeral costs are not cheap. Mm. What what she had something like a little five thousand dollar policy that was like, you know, in the seventies. Well, uh, depending on where you go, uh, funerals are like from ten on up, mm-hmm. even for the simplest thing. So, so that's another thing that that because as we stated before, the industry, a business. You know, what do they say? You can't escape death and taxes, right? So, you know, it's an industry. So these things we have to think about. Well, wow. Years ago, they said, well, the cheaper option was cremation. Well, because everybody started to go through to that particular option, those prices have raised up. Mm. Now that two-week wait for a crematorium in, in New York is crazy. Who wants to emotionally know that their loved one is waiting in a vault somewhere? Mm. You know, that that takes its own psychological tone. So, um, because these things are a business, you have to protect yourself and go according to what specifically your loved one would have wanted. I felt that Mm. if it was my aunt, my aunt had money, the money should be put the way that she wants because it's not mine, it's hers. That's the way, mm-hmm. you know. If a person didn't have it, and I'm scrambling, which was one of the cases that I had to do, scrambling to try to find funds because you know everybody has their life and everybody is doing the best that they can. I mean, I don't know anybody that kind of has like thirty thousand dollars just laying in their bank account, just like chilling, you know. I, you know, as as play money, I don't know that. That's me personally. I don't know that. So um, that's where certain 
certain creativity came into play. For instance, my aunt had life insurance. We had no money. So I, mm-hmm. I asked the funeral home, hey, listen, um, my, my aunt has life insurance, but we don't have it. Um, and the beneficiary of the life insurance was to uh, one of my cousins. Would, would you be able to take the money from his life insurance if we give you the life insurance and you just give us the, the rest? And mm-hmm. many of these agencies do. So no money came out of my pocket. They did the process to get the money from the life insurance, mm-hmm. paid for the funeral, and just uh, and just forwarded the rest of the balance to us. Mm. Now that's a service that I think is well, well handy because when you're in a position trying to scramble in order to try to get your loved one interred or handled, that's another amount of stress that you can't imagine because you have emotions involved. You have, you know, the facts are that you may have a limited window in order to get this done. Mm-hmm. You no. Know? Um, so it's, this story is to tell you that there's an option that whatever funeral home you deal with, they will take any life insurance you have to pay for that and refund you the rest. So make sure you think about that life insurance, y'all. And it doesn't have to be a crazy, crazy policy, guys. You know, that's another thing. We we do these little gigs every day or every month or whenever we get money because being an entertainer, you never know when your income's coming in. But you can all mm-hmm. set aside a certain amount just for a little policy for yourself. It doesn't have to be crazy. But the idea is to help in assistance of the loved ones that are going to be handling what you leave. Mm-hmm. It's just an act of love. That's all. You know? So that takes us through the funeral, mm-hmm. uh, unless there's anything else you had to say about that. No, no, no. I mean, th- that's just the basic thing. I mean, they tried to give the whistles of, oh, these they give you a book with flowers, and you can imagine, you cannot imagine the price of these damn flowers. Oh, I don't want my <laughs> God. I uh, but wait a minute, they're going to throw them away at the end? <laughs> oh my God. I said, wow, okay. All right. There we go. Hmm. So, yes. So, adding to that. All right. So, we have the funeral. And I believe the last thing you wanted to talk about was the process of a living will and yes. what to do with the will if it's contested and all of the nightmares that you've been Ooh. through regarding wills. For real. Oh, so have at it. So here's the thing. If your loved one doesn't have a will, you have to, you don't have a choice. You have to go to a lawyer and their prices aren't cheap. Maybe 2000 on up. You mm-hmm. have to go to a lawyer, pay for the document that you have to submit to the court in order to get what is called the certificate of testamentary or papers administration to handle the affairs of the deceased. 
Now, yeah. That's what's called probate. If a person had a will, the courts would not be involved. But if a person didn't have a will, you have to go to a lawyer, have them take that document, fill that document out, and send the document to the court. Well, got a nightmare for you. The courts are now on limited capacity. So anything pertaining in Manhattan, anything pertaining, no, not Manhattan, Brooklyn, but Manhattan too, anything pertaining to COVID and the case can be easily, um, how do you say, handled, they're doing. Mm. But everything else is on the back burner. Mm. So the court system is not speedy at all. That's what I mean to tell you. So keeping probate out of it is only if you make a will. Now, let's get back to the part of that if there isn't a will. So now, if you go to the court to ask for papers of administration, you better hope that the person who passed did not have siblings. Mm. Because you have to get a document from each one of those siblings stating that they recognize you as to be the executor of the estate, which means the person who's going to handle the deceased's business. Mm. Sometimes they may be a strange family that you haven't seen forever. So what the court will do, they will proceed to give you the papers, but they'll give you the papers, not permanent letters of administration, temporary letters of administration. So at least you can handle whatever. And those are mm -hmm. limited to six months at a time. That means after the six months, you have to go back to the court to petition to get another paper for six months, assuming you didn't handle all the business you needed to handle from the Wow. Yeah, let me tell you, I have nightmare stories. That's why I want to pass this on to you guys. Because the simple thing is, the simple reason is that no one should ever have to get wrapped up in paperwork when you're going through emotional devastation. No, mm. no one. Because mind you, as this process is going on, the person's belongings, whether they owned property, whether they owned whatever, is still accruing debt. You can't handle it until you get those papers. Mm. So that means if, if I die today and I didn't have a will and the court has taken their time, it'll be six, seven months down the road. No bills are being paid. You know, I mean, just because you die doesn't mean you still stop paying rent, you know, or mortgage. <sighs> All of that stuff accrues, you know, um, that's a nightmare. That's a nightmare. So, so really one of the worst things you can do for the people you love is to not have a will settled by the time you pass. Rob, I'm so glad you said that. And, and what I want to stress to everyone out there, it's a lot simpler than you think. A lot simpler. Check out those free sites and see for yourself. But understand this. A will is not valid until it is notarized. So even if you make one, oh, I made one online, I got one. It's not valid until you notarize it. So you need a notary public. Absolutely. Okay. 
All right. So, and you mentioned to me before the, before this recording that like for you, you used uh, a legal service because there was, I mean, many of us dancers who like, I mean, this is a different thing for like Lindy hoppers who half y'all motherfuckers are like engineers and coders and software developers and y'all have the money to do this shit. But for those of us street dancers who are living gig to gig, uh, or are on an, an employment from, uh, you know, the government because of coronavirus, et cetera. How do we go about making sure our assets are protected and, and our loved ones uh, don't have to deal with all this crazy bullshit? I'm going to tell you the cheapest way to do this, which was crazy to me, which I never even noticed. I belong to this thing called prepaid legal. Yes, mm. that's right, people. Prepaid legal. You pay $10 a month. And it it, it entitles you to legal services or... Um, Council, council, or anything pertaining to that, and getting your wills for you and your spouse are included for ten dollars a damn month. There you go, prepaid legal. At first, I was thinking, oh, you know, I've been paying this thing since nineteen eighty-eight, man. I, you know, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't use it. I mean, I'm not the kind of guy that gets involved in any kind of lawyer shit. So, you know what? I'm going to cancel it. So I called him up. I said, listen, guys, you know, I don't use this stuff. You know, I'm canceled. So they said, did you, did you make out your will? I said, what do you mean? Well, we have, it's included in our service. I said, are you kidding me? Said, yeah, it's included <laughs> in the service. And like I say, when the universe knocks on your door and drops these little seeds all around you, it's, it's telling you we are supposed to Take the lessons that have been dropped in front of us in order for us to do the best that we can for the for for our immediate need. The light and not not to not to roast you, Archie, but at this point in the timeline, you had dealt with five deaths. Five. Yep. Five deaths that you, you know, you had to manage all this crazy, crazy shit. And at this point, you still hadn't had your will set up. Nope. Can you believe that? Can you believe? You know, I, I sit here and I and I kind of knock myself in the head and going, but I'm seeing the horror story that I'm going through this one. I'm seeing the horror story that I'm going through this one. I'm seeing the hmm. story that I'm going through this one. I'm directly involved in all of this because I ended up being the one that was assigned to handle this business. Hmm. And then I'm making all kind of comments in my head and I'm going, but wait a minute. It didn't take until my brother-in-law passed for me to go, oh, shit, Archie, you're going to leave somebody with this situation. I said, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, uh-uh, no. I swear to you, it was like the next day. I called prepaid legal. I said, send me the stuff. Mm. They They send you a questionnaire online. You fill out the questionnaire. You email it back. They mail you the will, the the power of attorney, and the healthcare proxy. Ain't that something? And did you still you still had to once they sent that to you, you still had to get that notarized? Absolutely. Absolutely. Solid. Absolutely. So folks, that's a cheap and easy way to do it. If you don't want to lend because uh, in order to get that from 
a lawyer, I'll tell you how much I paid. I paid twelve fifty, one thousand two hundred fifty bucks. That was for the paperwork. Mm-hmm. The lawyer, I had to pay five grand. Now, yeah. If it wasn't for the fact that I'd been working so long, mm-hmm. I had that, but it's gone. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, yeah, it, it's gone. You know, so it, it's it's one of those things where you're going, "Wow, Archie, the universe is slapping you across your face. Why are you not listening?" Mm. And then, ding, the light bulb hit. Finally, the light turned on. Must have been shining in my face like a damn halogen light. You know. <laughs> Well, that's that's the human experience too. Like sometimes, most times, at least for myself, like I'm not going to get the message until it gets beaten into me. So. Exactly. So you know, I get it. That's why, folks, I want to share my experience with you because, you know what, as elders, we need to just tell you the real deal and tell it to you raw because, because you know, life is about enjoying your life even when you leave mm. this world you want to leave this world as clean as you can you know no person that i know wants to leave their loved ones i mean i've had people tell me this all the time about i don't want to be a burden to you i don't want to be a burden to you um, mm. and they want to handle their fears so that you don't become a burden yeah. what they mean is like a financial burden you know and let's yeah. say if, if for some strange reason you don't have the funds to do all of that and then the worst case scenario, Potter's Field or what have you happens, you know, you're sitting there in your head either beating yourself up about I wasn't prepared, I wasn't prepared or you compartmentalize and said, you know, well, well, that's just, that's just the way it was, you know. That second mm. option is kind of hard to swallow. But um, if, if, if you really had a real super connection with the person, some other people just say, well, listen, this person didn't handle their business and that's where I ended up. So I can't help that. You know, it, it's, yeah. it's, it's different um, reactions for, for, I guess, a person's own personal, you know, makeup. Um, but by the same token, all this conversation is here today is just about how not to fall into these pitfalls. Probate is not the way to go. Trust me. I don't care who you are. Probate is never the way to go. Not with 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 New York's and America's court system, never. Trust me. And I absolutely will take your word for it. And um, this definitely has me thinking about stuff I need just to do stuff. very just soon. Simple stuff. It's not, it, you know, yeah. here's the thing. We all have to figure out how to take the fear out of this. Because, you know, well, let's put it this way. If anybody should be fearful, it's me. I'm 62. I'm looking at how many days I have left as opposed to how many days I've lived. Mm. But when you're approaching life every day, knowing that, you, you took care of your business. It's mm-hmm. so much easier to approach the next days, you know, when you don't think about it, you know? 
Yeah. And I mean, for those who might, you know, who may have struggled through this second half, just because we've discussed a lot of, uh, you know, we've thrown out around some, some complex terms um, and some stuff that nobody really wants to think about. Um, I was going to ask, you know, why does this matter? But at the same time, he spent the last few minutes explaining that, mm-hmm. like, we don't want to leave that sort of burden um, to others. We want to handle our shit. We want to make sure, you know, even if we're like struggling right now and, and, you know, doing the artist's life and doing all that shit that our people are taking care yeah, of. And it's just a simple document, a simple document. Check those free mm. sites. We'll have the information again in the links, but check those free sites, simple document, write up the document, get it notarized. Just that simple. So we've been through the nuts and bolts and all the dry uh, necessary stuff that we needed to talk about. So to finish us out, um, Archie, you mentioned that this is sort of your love letter to uh, a community and something that you are leaving uh, for all of us to, to benefit from. So do you have any final thoughts about death, about passing, about everything we've been talking about? You know, um, as the writer said, it's a great adventure that we know nothing about until we get there. Live Mm. your life the way that you want to live it to the best that you can live it. The next day is not promised. So you know what? Be kind to each other. Just do the right shit. It's so easy to walk on the damn dark side. You know? Come to I do. Come on, man. (laughs) You know, stinking thinking happens all the damn time. Just so Mm. difficult to stay in the light. Why? This is where we have to reevaluate. I mean, one thing this pandemic has done is given us a lot of time to to play in our heads with all kind of bullshit. You know? Well, Mm. let's use some of the real shit, too. You know? Mm-hmm. We're supposed to do better. We're supposed to be better. We're supposed to be better versions of ourselves every day. Make no room for drama. Make no room for things that do not pertain. Benny Ninja had a funny saying: <laughs> "If you don't finance me, feed me, or fuck me, you got nothing to do with me." I wrap, wrap <laughs> up with that. The three F's. <laughs> I used to fall the fuck out. So. Uh, but I get exactly what he's saying. I get exactly what he's saying. Yeah. You know, and, and it stuck with me, you know, by him saying that. The simple thing is, is that yes, these are facts of life. How we approach these things, we'll try to do, we should always try to do it in a very healthy and loving way because it's all about love. It's all about love, really. You know, the evil, mm. I'll tell you, the evil is probate. I can say that to you right now. Probably somebody is probably working in the probate office getting ready to curse me out. But the evil is probate. Your life should be as loving and as simple as it can be. And it can only do that if you handle your business in its simplest form. Not a complicated situation, a simplest form. The original sin was pride. The final sin was probate. Oh, ding. Oh, man. That picture. <laughs> oh, please. Thank you, Rob. You know, uh, not many of you know, Rob was working on a uh, T-shirt slogans 
And uh, oh, this particular one that he's just saying now is a winner. That's a winner. <laughs> I'll buy it yesterday. Oh man, yeah, it's going to be a real hit in the um, paralegal Absolutely. crowd. That that demographic that listens Absolutely. to the show. Absolutely, because mm. you guys know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. Well, um, yeah. So we've uh, we've gone over a lot today, um, and this is a lot of valuable information. And for many of us, we might not find value in it until we're in a really, really hard spot. But hopefully, if you're listening, um, this has given you something to think about, and some more importantly, something to act on. Um, because, like you said, it's it's some simple stuff that could save us a lot of pain in the future. But in the meantime, um, before we go, uh, I mean, I'm going to modify our closing toast just a little bit in the spirit of this episode. So we raise our glasses to legends in our shared communities. We raise our glasses to Frankie Manning, to Don Hampton, to Norma Miller, Marjorie Smarth, Voodoo Ray, Willie Ninja, Don Campbell, Tyrone Proctor, Shabadu. We raise our glasses to the almost 450,000 people who have died because of this horrible virus over the last year. We raise our glasses to our loved ones and to yours um, because we all have had someone who's yes. passed. Uh, we raise our glasses to life and to the end of the world and to the beginning of something better. Cheers. Mm. Well, with that said, I think we're going to bring this uh, episode to a close. Uh, Archie, for those who don't know you yet, um, how can they follow what you're doing? Um, I have an Instagram. It is Demon Car, D-E-M-O-N-C-A-R. Um, Demon Car, triple O seven. And uh, Got it. my Instagram is Archie Burnett. Mm-hmm. Same name. I mean, uh, my Facebook. Facebook, rather. Perfect. See, I, look, mean... I don't know these things. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. <laughs> well we'll have that in the show notes as well but um yes uh this has been the legendary grandfather of the house of ninja archie Burnett, and i'm your humble host rob celtic and we are signing off we will endure we will grow and we Come will on. overcome god bless